I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story. Our lesson this morning is about lament. While here in our culture, we like to, to post happy faces on social media or whatever, or even just in our interactions with others, life is not always a bed of roses. Life can be difficult, and we need tools to help face our grief, and the Bible provides us these tools. So here, our plan this morning, we're going to uh, ask, does God want to hear from us. You know, we just sang the song, Does Jesus Care? Of course, the answer is yes. And what is a lament? What are we talking about with this idea of a lament? And then we'll look at an example of one of these laments, Psalm 13, and it's a, it's a very short psalm. It's only six verses, so we'll use that as a case study to, to drill into this question. And then we'll use the elements from that psalm to adapt it to something that may relate to us here in our lives today. Some examples that hopefully are, are helpful to then springboard in your own life to use these things um, in your walk with God. So some days are happy. Some things are great. You know, we all have good days. Maybe when we get married, uh, maybe when we achieve some success uh, in life, uh, maybe we get a new job or a promotion at work. Maybe we are artistic and we, we sell our first work of art. That's, that's pretty exciting. Maybe we lead someone to Christ and we're rejoicing in that. You know, there's a time to celebrate and that's, that's good and well. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse four, is, is that chapter talks about the time for this and time for that, all these different uh, times in life. And in, in, in verse four, it talks about that there's a time to laugh and a time to dance, the dance of joy, this idea. But there's also a time to weep and a time to mourn. And some days we weep. Some days we lament. Sometimes we're sick. Some, some of us uh, among us have cancer. Sometimes we might have a broken bone. Sometimes a loved one dies. And it's, it touches our heart, and it's profoundly strikes us with grief. We might have sadness and grief, or worry, or woe, or regret, or loss. All of these words would encompass what we're talking about here when we have these feelings. Sometimes maybe someone betrays us. And, or perhaps rather than a success, like in our job or something, we have some sort of failure. Maybe a project fails. We lose our job. Maybe we get sued wrongfully. Or maybe we get sued because of something we did wrong. And it's still a hard time. How do we deal with that kind of stuff? You know, some of us have a heavy heart due to a recent loss. That means all different things to us as we think about those we love that we've lost or, or struggles that we have gone through or are going through. Perhaps even for something years ago. Does Jesus care? Of course, we know the answer 
is yes with regard to that. Uh, but what does what does Peter tell us? Let's let's look at First uh, Peter chapter five, verses six through seven, where he says, "There, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you." And here's the key piece: casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. You know this idea of humbling ourselves. You know, a lot of times maybe we try to take care of this ourselves. We have this heavy grief with whatever loss that we're struggling with that we we think we have to deal with that alone and we fail to call on God or to, or to lean on our church family we need to humble ourselves with regard to that and we need to cast our anxieties on him he cares for us and what does Jesus himself say in Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children so just talking about how moms and dads aren't going to give harmful things to their kids. They're going to give them food and clothes and the things they need. If, if we can do that as people who aren't God, how much more will your father who is in heaven give, give good gifts to those who ask him? And I'm emphasizing ask. Uh, God is good, but he wants us to ask. He expects us to, to pray and pour out our hearts to him. Do we always ask God for help or, or do we sometimes suffer on our own? So let's, let's dig deeper into this idea of a lament. What is a lament? So it can be both, both a verb and a noun. So it's this idea of, uh, you know, to express the sorrow and the grief and the regret. So I'm, I'm lamenting over the loss of a loved one. Or it's also, it is that expression itself, you know. So maybe the words I write or the words I say or the prayer I pray about my sad feelings that is my lament in the terms of a noun. So we can use that both ways. There's also, as we look at the Bible, and particularly the Psalms, there are two kinds of laments, individual laments, and that's what we're going to talk about today, the things that we're struggling with in our own lives and how we can support one another as well. But, but more broadly, a community lament or a national lament. We might think of a lot of the Psalms and the Book of Lamentations uh, talking about the destruction of Jerusalem and the exile and how the whole nation is is sad about that and, and wanting things to get better, praying to God for help and intervention. You know, we might think in our culture, 9-11, um, and the, the lament we maybe share as a, as a nation about that, or looking out at our culture and the immorality, we may lament in a community sense about that, but we're going to be talking about individual laments. So if you were to break the Psalms down and categorize them, as some scholars have done, and it's an inexact science, but it's, it's, it's done, it's, it's a good framework to think about these things. Um, we can break it down into praise Psalms, Psalms of trust, hymns, Psalms of thanksgiving, those that focus on wisdom, royal Psalms, you know, David the king, and of course having meaning for Christ the King. And then we have this category of lament, which is the single largest category in the Psalms. Nearly a third of the total of the Psalms are considered laments. But this is, this is my impression, but I feel like perhaps the most neglected in our culture. Uh, we'll look at maybe ways to praise God and that sort of thing, but are we, we're not comfortable with being sad and calling out to, to God and grief. 
again, I'm talking about myself, I guess. If you're, if you're with me, then you understand as well. Um, but how can I tell when I'm reading a lament as I'm reading through the Psalms? And, and how can a lament, uh, how can I use these elements from a lament in, in what I'm going to do as, a, as praying in, in, in my life? There's sort of a formula we can consider here to identify these things, or you might think of it as a recipe. Most laments, lament psalms have uh, six elements. And they're often in this order, but, but not always. And their lines are kind of blurry. Some of these things sort of cross over. Like, which category is it? And we don't want to get hung up about that, but just sort of understand these categories so we can identify it and make it useful for us on our own walk with God. The one thing to really notice is this there's a progression from what we might say negative to positive as we as we look at these. So the first one is the address to God. So even in our prayers, we're going to you know address God or the Lord. You know, who are we talking to, right? Well, we're we're praying, we're calling out to God, we're going to use his name and address him. And then the complaint, you know, what is it that we're suffering or struggling with? So, so that word complaint might sound negative, it kind of is, but the idea of if you go to a doctor and the doctor will write in his notes, well, Matt went to, to the doc, to, to me and he's complaining of asthma symptoms or whatever, whatever uh, health problem you have. So it's not that you're going in there mumbling and murmuring and you're a terrible doctor and why, you know, not complaining in that sense, but you have, you have a problem and you're sharing that problem. And that's what we mean here by complaint to God. And then the idea of trust in God, you know, so we're not just saying this problem, but we're also indicating in our statements here that I know you can do it, God, and I know you are good and, and you'll take care of this. And then there's a deliverance plea. So there's, there's, what are we, we have the problem, but what are we asking God to do? You know, deliver me from this problem, that sort of thing. You can take any number of specifics there. And then an expression of assurance based on God's past works. You know, uh, I've been through this problem before and I was very sad and, and you pulled me through it. Or, or looking more broadly, you know, the, the children of Israel were in captivity in Egypt and you brought them out with a mighty hand, this sort of thing. I, I know based on your past works that you can take care of my problems. And then a praise to God. We're praising God, having this, this positive idea. We're honoring God in this. And that's a lot to remember. So you can do a little mnemonic of these six things. And the first letter of each one, you can say ACTADAP. You can pronounce it. So you, maybe it helps, helps you to remember that. Um, you know, and, and the idea, I mean, why would I even encourage you to try to remember that is can, this can be a spiritual life jacket. Um, these, these problems and woes can come upon us suddenly and catastrophically, and we need to be prepared to know how to, to work with God and, and talk to God about these things. We'll go over these points again, so don't, don't worry. But the, the key to all this is that our complaint is accompanied by honor to God. So if you don't remember all six, just remember 
we're going to God with some problem, but we're also honoring God with our words in the midst of sharing that problem. So let's read Psalm 13. And then before we jump into that, uh, just maybe a, a comment in general about the Psalms that, you know, the rest of the Bible we talk about in terms of chapters, uh, in, which are somewhat artificial, just breaking up the narrative with chapter one, chapter two. Well, the Psalms is really a collection of individual psalms or songs or prayers. And so, so it's, you know, it's Psalm 13. It's not really chapter 13 of that book, but it's a specific individual standalone psalm. Uh, another thing to note is, is the way that uh, our Bibles tend to have little headings, you know, like especially like think about the Gospels. It might say Sermon on the Mount. And then, of course, you have that text about that. And then, you know, Jesus cleanses the temple and that sort of thing. And, and hopefully we've trained our minds to realize that those little headings aren't, aren't part of the Bible. That's just a helpful translation note so that we kind of can glance. Oh, this is the part where it talks about that. Whereas these sub superscripts in the Psalms, like this one, to the choir master, a Psalm of David, might feel like those little headings. But this is part of the Bible text. We don't typically assign it a verse number, so it can be a little confusing. But just be aware that that is, in fact, part of our Bible text. Okay, let's read this. And again, this is this is David, and it's he's having a heart full of grief as he's as he's writing this or saying this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lighten up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now, you can kind of see the, the bullet points. I'm breaking this into three chunks. And we'll look at those three chunks in detail here. That first part, we see that address to God. How long, O oh Lord? We're talking to the Lord. We're talking using the covenant name of God here. We know who we're talking to. And then the bulk of this section here is the complaint. Will you forget me forever? You know, this idea that David may be drilling into here is it, it shows up as an unnamed enemy. We don't know specifically who is being talked about. But if you think about the life of David, perhaps this is Saul when Saul was pursuing David or his own son Absalom with the chaos that went on with that. Uh, obviously, it's not super clear, but you know what, what, is, what is my enemy? What is your enemy? As we think about uh, trying to relate this to ourselves, you know, we're gonna apply this to ourselves as well. <clears throat> Notice this repeated, how long? Time, four times, four times. You know, how long are you going to forget about me? 
and hide your face from me and leave me to worry on my own. You know, this might strike us as is it impatient or is this even appropriate to be saying to God? I mean, the reality is David and sometimes us, we're, we're overcome with grief and, and we need to pour out our heart to God. You know, we're, we just read there from Peter, we should cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. And Jesus talked about how the heavenly father is going to give good things to those who ask him. So we need to have a heart humility where we're going to ask these things. So this middle part here, we have our deliverance plea. <clears throat> David is asking God to consider what he's saying and, and to answer him. There's this reference to lighting up the eyes, which may seem a bit odd, but we see that same wording used in 1 Samuel 14, verse 29, the situation where uh, Saul had seemingly foolishly uh, made all of the soldiers uh, have an oath to not eat anything. And then they went long and became faint. And Jonathan came into that situation not knowing about that. And he, he had some honey. There was honey there. And he enjoyed that honey and talked about how his eyes were brightened. And he was encouraging the other soldiers to do that. See how my eyes have become bright because I tasted of this honey. So there's this idea of, of being toward death, but reviving being revived from that. And then we have this reference to sleep, the sleep of death. Of course, that's just referencing the idea of dying. In the New Testament, Jesus often refers to uh, sleep when we're talking about death. Paul refers to it that way as well. And we've talked before about the enemy, you know, who is the enemy under consideration here. Um, but in this case, Based on these verses, some have suggested, well, maybe the enemy isn't Saul or Absalom or anybody, but, but, but death. Maybe there's an illness trying to be portrayed here in this idea. You know, or maybe this is a plea for, for physical healing. And obviously that relates to us as well. The third section, the final section of this short psalm, you know, we have this idea of, of trust, have our from our act step with trust, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. We have praise. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I'll sing to the Lord. Often said to be sing praises. This sort of idea is what I get from that. And then this assurance from the past, because you have dealt bountifully with me in the past. And, and if you look critically at this, these all kind of blur together. It's like you, you could say the uh, Praise and assurance and trust are all kind of blurred together here. And that's fine. Um, I might label it differently. But the idea is, again, there's sort of this trajectory from the negative to the positive where I'm having all these problems and I'm laying them at your feet, but I honor you and I, and I trust you. So that's all of Psalm 13. We've identified all of those. Those points are a little out of, out of order, but that's fine. It's just sort of a, a recipe. David is addressing the Lord, complaining that God has abandoned him or he feels that he's abandoned him. He's asking, how long is this going to go on? Asking for deliverance by answering David's plea. 
deliverance from the from death and illness or the enemy or whatever the enemy is here. Trusting in God's steadfast love or loving kindness. Praising the Lord for salvation and having this assurance because God has always dealt bountifully personally with David in the past and, and with the nation in these things. And this is useful for us to think about, you know, the historical context of how that may fit in with David. But the fact of the matter is that, that I'm not David. You're not David. We're not being chased by Saul. And whatever illness David may have had, if that's what this is about, that, that's not going on with us. So how can, how can we faithfully reuse this in our context? You know, some of us have cancer or loved ones with cancer or other serious illnesses. You know, and who among us has not been touched by the loss of a loved one here and even just this last week or in recent months or years, all of us are touched, and these are painful wounds. I'm not trying to play with anyone's emotions with that, but this is real stuff. We, we all feel this and understand this. Let's take a moment to remember those we've lost and, and think about how we can adapt this sort of thing to our situations. So sort of like a little workshop gonna rework the song. We're not calling this the scripture. This is our use of these elements to, to honor God in our lives. I wanna make it applicable to us and our, and our woes. You know, as, as some of the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so if we adjust this thinking about death or sickness in our situations, we might change a few words and say, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I grieve without your help and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall death exalt over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest death say, I have prevailed over him. Lest disease rejoice, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. Another scenario, uh, one of my biggest fears is that as my kids grow up, and I have great kids, but, but as they grow up, what if, what if they choose to forsake the Lord? And I know some have experienced this, and it's heartbreaking. And I'm not suggesting that these words I put up here are, are how anyone should feel about that. But I think it's natural that maybe we do feel this way. And so let's consider the psalm again, adapted for this idea of pouring out to God our, our broken heart about those who've gone astray. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must my heart weep within me and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my children be lost? Consider and answer me, O oh Lord my God. 
Light up my eyes, lest my children be lost forever. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over them. Lest my foes rejoice, because I cannot leave my family. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has always dealt bountifully with my family. Maybe a little more mundane scenario, but not any less heartbreaking if we're going through it. Is it losing a job? And again, I'm not saying this. these are the thoughts you should have if you've lost your job, but these are thoughts you might have, you know, and, and pour it out to the Lord. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I feel shame? without your help and have sorrow in my heart all the day how long shall lack of work exalt over me consider and answer me O lord my god let me find a job lest i feel useless lest we lose our home and go hungry lest my foes rejoice because i cannot provide for my family but i have trusted in your steadfast love my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has always provided bountifully for me. We need to pour out our hearts to the Lord and lay it at his feet. So God wants to hear from us. We've defined this lament, this act dap thing, which again, the point is, Pour out your struggle to God, but honor him in that. We looked at Psalm 13 in some detail, and then we've adapted that. Just some examples. Maybe those things don't relate to you, but keep those things in mind to adapt them to the struggles that you're having now or that you will have. Jesus was a man of sorrows. We're in good company when we lament. It says prophetically in Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. You know, there on the cross, Jesus quotes the Psalms. He quotes lament Psalms. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting from Psalm 22, and we have the address. He's addressing God. He has the complaint, why have you forsaken me? We have examples even from our Lord doing this. In Luke 23, we have Jesus calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. His last words were the words of Psalm 31. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful gods. We have the address, and we have that expression of trust. Are we ready to commit our spirit to God? Do we have that trust? We should. Do we trust in God? 
Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So what Jesus did on the cross is what brings us to God. Romans 6, verses 3 through 5. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So both here in our walk as a Christian and also for the last day, we have an expectation and hope of the resurrection. Do we believe? Do we believe that? Do we have a response of obedience like we talk about here? I would encourage Anyone who needs to obey the gospel, to let us help you with that. If you need us to pray for you, we're here to help you with that as well. And that concludes my lesson this morning. And we would invite anyone who needs to respond to the gospel call to do so as we stand and sing the song together. I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory. To tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love.